Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Getting ready for a big NFL playoff weekend. Do you have a favorite game? Yeah, of course, the Chiefs and Bills. Chiefs. Yeah. I think that's all like, it's like going to a great concert, and um, you have all the acts are great. Yeah. And we're looking forward to every performance, but the last one yeah. is is the headline. I don't think there's a bad, there's not a game, at least for me, this weekend that isn't intriguing in some way, shape, or form. And I know the numbers are big on the. Green Bay 49ers game and also on the Houston Baltimore game but every one of those games has a great storyline for sure for sure and then of course we're following our Bears uh, uh, news I'm, I'm anxious to pick a Siciliano's brain on what he thinks our team should do we've been picking people's brains all week and we'll continue to do that uh, on the OC on the quarterback you saw uh, Daniel Jeremiah had his first mock draft that came out I believe he has the Bears selecting Caleb Williams number one overall not surprised let's pick it up with our friend Andrew Siciliano who spent time here in Chicago many moons ago and has worked for the NFL Network for many years and he joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline Andrew how you feeling? Uh, old after that intro. Thank you. We are all old. Yeah. Oh. Like, no, no, embrace it. No poop. Yeah. No Can poop. I, let me ask you a question. Are, are you guys sitting there in, in the same studio, uh, like on, on State Street, like in the fishbowl right there on the street? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Look at the Chicago Theater right now. Like, like mentally, what is that like? Do you feel like you're like street performers? Like there should be like a hat in front of the window? Well, I would love you know to put a hat out there and get a little extra yeah. change, but I don't think that the... Like, do you ever feel awkward sitting in that fishbowl? That's one thing that struck me. No. There. I like actually feel like it keeps us on our toes yes. a little bit. Yeah. That's a good eye. I, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. in, in, like, oh, we... There have been times where they've toyed with the idea of putting us back upstairs and taking okay. us away here. And then, uh, like, there's less sunlight upstairs. And, and it's dark now, but, like... In the winter here, you live in L.A. now, you get your sunlight. I like being out and seeing the light and the natural totally light. Great. You know what I mean? Like Vitamin the, D is a good thing. Yes. Yeah, there are and a few it's a things show. It's a show out more here. depressing than, than like VO booths or radio studios. Like yes. over the years when I've done shows like from VO booths, especially like when you're on the road and, and someone opens their doors for you and, oh, hey, you're back here and you're going through this maze and then all of a sudden you're in this like, you know, egg crate all over the wall, like yes. VO booth in the dark in the corner. So it's like, it's like you're locking yourself in the bathroom and talking to yourself for three hours. Yeah. This is great. We get some nudity every now and again, not in this weather. Not good nudity, though. No, not usually good nudity. No. But you'll get some street performers. You'll get some, you know, really enthusiastic fans. You'll get some people that will spit on the on the glass. Or you'll give get you an the arrest. Finger. Yeah, you get a somebody. will get arrested every now and again. I'm telling you, oh, Andrew, cool. it keeps you on your toes. I can see that. Okay, so yeah. Okay, there. We we just wasted three minutes. Of people. No, oh, it's that never was a waste. not a waste. Never a waste. Never, no. Um, all right. So before we get into the games, and I know that that's what you do, and that's what you talk about. Let me ask you first about Cliff Kingsbury, and if you and and uh, you covered him as as a guy who worked at the NFL Network when he was the head coach of the Cardinals. I don't know if you you've ever run into him around LA in a short time at USC, but what would you think as a guy who covers the league if the Bears hired him as their OC? So a couple of things. Um, I I can't stand Cliff well at all. I mean. You know, shaking hands and made pleasantries with him a few times. I, I could say this before he ever remember. This is his second stint at USC. He, he was the USC offensive coordinator for like thirty seconds before the cart in the off season before the Cardinals offered him their head coaching job. And if he had not taken that SC job or the Cardinals job for that matter, chances are he was going to like just chill with the Rams as like special advisor for the year. I don't know if that's ever been reported, but like it, it was discussed. So it, it's not as if 
the Cardinals were the only team intrigued by him for an NFL job, despite the fact that he was relatively mediocre as a head coach in college. Um, the Rams are interested, too. He and Sean McVay have a good relationship, and uh, Sean certainly respects his offensive mind. Now, that said, McVay pretty much owned him when he was head coach of the Cardinals, and then usually it wasn't even that close. Um, I think the thing that you need to ask is, let's say it's Justin. Let's play make-believe. Do you think that an air raid system in the NFC North is the path to success for Justin Fields? Personally, cliff aside, I don't think it is. That's just me. If you're bringing him in as a let's get some intelligence on Caleb and, hey, maybe if we like him, we'll hire him too. I mean, I think there's certainly value to the conversation. Um, I don't know that it, it's an air raid system of the NFC North doesn't feel right to me. But, 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 Drew, Andrew, if, if you look north to Green Bay, that's not an air raid system. No. But, but they're running a West Coast system where they're throwing it quite a bit and it's working for them. Right. And Kevin O'Connell is running the same thing. Right. So um, it is working for them. I, I just think they're, they're vastly, I mean, vastly. Waddle, you know more about this than I do. But the, I, I just don't, I don't know that that's the best step for Justin Fields development. Right. I mean, do you? No, 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 no. I, I maybe I, I, my apologies for going that direction. No, I think if you keep Justin, you're not bringing in somebody. I don't think you're bringing anyone that runs the, the Shanahan or, or, or LaFleur style offense. I don't think you're running the air. Right? I don't think, I think you're basically trying to do something the way that Greg Roman put together an offense back with San Francisco and then with Baltimore. I'm wondering though, let's say, that Cliff Kingsbury comes here with Caleb Williams. Do you think mm-hmm. that offense with Caleb Williams would work here in Chicago? I mean, look, I, I, I'm excited to see Caleb in any system. I would still fall back on my no. I don't think air raid works. I mean, what, I, mean I, I just don't. In if you're going to have to, you know, play in November and December. You're going to have to play a third of your schedule outside in, in the snow and the mud. I, I, I'm just not the biggest fan of the system. Listen, whether it's the Shanahan system, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it is work pretty much everywhere in any weather. That's what I would lean towards. Or just go all in on the Greg Roman, what he did with Lamar and what he did with the run game in San Francisco and say that that's what we're going to do with Justin. But – don't be angry if it's week 10 and, you know, Fields is running, is on pace for 1,700 yards on the ground or something, and then we're still screaming and yelling <laughs> that, you know, he's slow in the pocket and he's not getting through his progressions in time. Well, look, look, look what you're running with Roman, for Pete's sake. Right. You, and, and you know us. I mean, there's been many big sports debates in Chicago here. You're, you're very in tune with Chicago. Um, but I don't know if we've ever seen one like this right now with Justin. And, and Justin has a lot of fans who are loyal and who are believers in his athleticism and that if he has proper coaching and if you surround him and if you take the number one pick and trade down and continue to build a really good team around him, they think that's the way to go. And then there are others who believe that if you take the number one pick and you just do what's there and you take the best quarterback, that that's the way to go. So it's early, Andrew. What route would you take? So before I answer the question, let me ask you what the audience is cur- like, which way is the audience or, or the fan base currently leading? I don't know if you could properly tell because um, I think it's the, pretty well split. split down the middle. But, but like the Justin supporters are very, very loud and, and like aggressive. Vo- they're very aggressive, vocal and aggressive, and don't and don't want to don't want to listen a lot of times. They are said <laughs> like more Justin fans than Bears fans. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And like I think that's where the problem has has come up. So. Here's what's difficult. There are a lot of layers here. I'll tell you what I think in a second. But I think what people have to realize, and you guys certainly know this, is it's not a binary decision. It's not Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. I mean, that's simplistically what it is on the surface, but there are so many more layers than that. If you were to trade one, 
for example, how far down do you go? And are you still within the strike zone, potentially, of getting a quarterback other than Caleb Williams or Drake May, one that you, you still may like? For example, Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock draft right now has Bo Nix at 14 to the Saints. Now, I am not pounding the table for Bo Nix, although I'm excited to see him at the Senior Bowl in two weeks on NFL Network. But where do you go? How far down do you go? And what is your return? You also have to figure out what you could potentially get for Justin Fields. By the way, you can trade both Justin Fields and number one. Right. I mean, think about that. You, you, you can move down a little bit, get a bounty, and trade Justin Fields, get a bounty, and also draft your new quarterback. The simplest answer for me is, and this is the case with so many of these offseason decisions when it comes to a quarterback, follow the money. And it makes all the sense in the world organizationally to reset your clock and take a quarterback, Caleb Williams, Drake May, whomever, number one overall. And if you don't, and if you decide Justin's the guy, then are you ready right now, because he's, as you guys know, entering the, the offseason before his fourth year, to write an extension and to guarantee nine figures of salary for a minimum of three years moving forward, starting, I would have to think, at 120 over three, potentially, maybe 115 over two. Are you ready to write that contract? Because if you say, I'm not taking the quarterback and resetting the clock, you kind of have to commit financially to Justin Fields. Now, some teams have not, like Tua last year, right, or this offseason. They didn't. They picked up the fifth-year option. Tua played year number four, and now the Dolphins are left with a, all right, he stayed healthy. The offense looked great, right? Check, check, check. But we still wilted in the postseason. And we still wilted down the stretch, say, for the win over the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. So now what do you do? And I just think Bears fans need to answer the question, and organizationally need to answer the question, are we ready to write Justin Fields a massive check? Andrew, let me ask you a question. Like, I, am I crazy for suggesting if they decided to move forward with Justin? Because in my opinion, which is whatever, if they decide one of these guys is capable of taking them further than Justin, then I'm an advocate of them using that pick on Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever it is. That's how, if you're, if there's any indecision at all, then I'm an advocate of trading the pick and yes, try to build, you build your team and move on with Justin. But am I crazy to suggest that if you took option number two, that not picking up the fifth year option isn't the worst thing in the world? Because you let him play this year, you don't pick up the option in May, and if he blows the doors off in a positive way, you can always, if, if, if you can't find common ground, you can always franchise him. Correct. Um, it's not crazy. It's not normally done with quarterbacks, but it, it's not truly crazy. Um, to his option right now, fifth year, which is what he would play next year if they don't extend, uh, is 23 million. So it would be north of that number. Um, it's not crazy at all. I, I think you also have to ask, like, what does Justin think? You know, is he going to throw, I highly doubt it, but is he going to throw one of these Kyler Murray hissy fits when, I mean, think about it. Was it last year, two years ago, whatever it was, we pulled into the combine on Monday to an all-caps angry missive from his agent, Eric Burkhardt, demanding that they give him an extension yesterday. You know, is Fields going to play it that way? I don't think he would. But do, do, you, do you risk alienating your quarterback by saying, hey, we're not going to draft the other guy, but we're not totally sold in writing you a check yet? Yeah, I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm a piss off a, a, a kid who, who's done some nice things, but won ten games in the last two years, and you know, I agree. you know what I mean. Like, I, at some point, I'm not. It's not. I'm not trying to piss you off, but by the Tua, same token, Tua handled like, it fine. Yeah, I Tua mean, handled it fine. Yeah, and Tua. I mean, after Tua in his third year at 25 touchdown passes and eight interceptions and a quarterback rating of 106 and threw for 3,500 yards, we don't have that guy right now. He could develop into that guy, but I think if he and his agent pitched a fit, I mean, I don't know. 
I'd roll the dice. Yeah, take a walk. Listen, I, I had people tell me after the Cardinals wrote that contract, like, why? 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 Go ahead. Stare them down. What right. are you going to do? Go play baseball? Right. Good luck. You, you want to go ride buses in Modesto? Go for it, buddy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> go for it. Um, all right, so that's the Bears stuff. Uh, Waddle started this segment by asking which game you're most excited about. Is it the finale? Uh, yes, I, I think. I think that has the best chance of being the closest game. I'm honestly, I'm honestly having a hard time figuring out where the upset is this week. Like, I thought the Dolphins would, would give the Chiefs a run for the money in the cold. I thought they would literally run the ball last week. I was wrong on that one. Um, but you had upsets last week. I, I don't know, guys, where the upset is. I mean, statistically and historically, you're going to see one. I, I just, I'm having a hard time picking one. I, I don't know that picking the Chiefs on the, like, is Patrick Mahomes ever truly an underdog? No. Aren't the Bucks probably right. the team that fits that bill most? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I just think that the Lions have something magical going right now, and they're certainly a flawed team. I mean, you know, if Mike Evans goes for like 175 and two touchdowns this week, right. it, it's not going to be an anomaly. They give up that to somebody every week. So <laughs> I could see the Bucks winning that game, but I, I think the Lions are the better team, and I, I think they will have a decided home field advantage. And on the Saturday games, Andrew, which team do you think's got a better chance of staying in it the longest? And is it the Texans against the Ravens or the Packers against the 49ers? I actually think that's a push. I think they both have a chance of staying in it, but I just don't see either team winning. The Ravens guys have, for the most part, I mean, they lost to the Steelers at home. But, I mean, that was week 18, and that was in the rain, and Lamar didn't play. But for the most part, they, they like demoralized teams at home. They demoralized the Lions. They demoralized the Seahawks. They just beat them up. Now, the Rams took them to overtime, and they, you know, uh, the, the Ravens beat them. The Browns beat them there in Baltimore. But the other teams, they just they run out of the building. I think the Texans can keep it interesting because I am a believer in CJ. But I, I think Baltimore... Baltimore is just clearly the better team. Which of these two quarterbacks do you think, Andrew, is the better story? Is it C.J. Stroud in his rookie year with a rookie head coach and a rookie play caller? Or is it Jordan Love, who's in his fourth year, but the first time he's gotten an opportunity to play, and he is looks like he is the third in a line of three of really good quarterbacks? So you know there's no wrong answer there, right? Right. But which okay. one is more intriguing to you? It is it to me it's more intriguing what Jordan loves Jordan Love ends up doing. Um and I don't just mean this week, but I, I mean moving forward. CJ Stratt has already, you know, planted his flag as as good a rookie quarterback as we've seen since Cam or since Andrew Luck or since whomever, right? He's that guy. They have their franchise cornerstone and bam, that's it. Uh Jordan Love, the way this team is playing, I mean, their, their defense midseason was was a disaster. It's still probably going to be a disaster when Kyle gets his hands on it with extra time to repair. But uh, the way that Jordan Love is throwing the football back foot, and, and like it looked like he was doing a bad Aaron Rodgers impression, and now he just realized, well, he's doing an impression, except it's a really good impression. And here, here's, here's your one fun fact. Because they were the seventh seed, and they were the first seventh seed since we expanded the playoffs right to win a game. All the other seven seeds had lost. So they finally win a game. The last bottom seed to win the whole thing was actually the Packers in 2010 when they, they beat um, yeah. Ben and the Steelers in Dallas. They were the sixth seed. So, I mean, the symmetry there between these two teams is is pretty hysterical. You don't have to remind us about 2010. <laughs> um, yes, I, I remember. I remember sitting in a bar here in L.A. watching the game. I apologize, guys. Was that the, uh, what's his name? Who's the backup that came in that day? Was well, Caleb, Caleb Haney, Haney yeah. yeah. Todd Collins came in before Todd him. Todd Collins, yeah. 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 Todd Collins, and then he tapped out after, like, three plays. I'm good. He was terrible, yeah. And that I'm, was a whole that I'm was a good. whole Maurice Jones-Drew controversy with Cuddy and everything. Um, by the way, Tom Palacero, who you know well, well yes. uh, just tweeted that the Falcons are scheduled uh, to have a second interview with Jim Harbaugh um, next week. Where do you believe Harbaugh is going to end up in Atlanta, in L.A. with the Chargers or back at Michigan? Uh, I don't think it's back at Michigan. I think his 
too far down the road to go back to Michigan. I think he badly wants an NFL job, and he will be offered an NFL job. Um, I was told this week by someone that has a good pulse on things that it will be either Harbaugh or Belichick in Atlanta, and I would put my money for recreational purposes only on Belichick. It, it, it is surprising me that they've had him in now for a second interview. He's there now, allegedly, and they are still scheduling these other interviews. I, I can't imagine Arthur Blank is, is trying for leverage here on Belichick by <laughs> you know, having reports while he is in the building that we're going to meet with Harbaugh next week. <laughs> um, it just doesn't make sense. I, I do think Harbaugh eventually ends up here with the Chargers, and I think it makes sense on a hundred different levels. Um, whether it's his relationship with the Spanish family years ago, whether it's his ties to Southern California when he started his coaching career at USD down the road, um, you give him you give him Justin Herbert, and I think they will be okay. The question is, who's their GM? And and look, that team, the Chargers here in LA, had a massive missed opportunity this year during a season in which the Rams were allegedly tanking in some people's eyes, and the Chargers had all the national TV games and Justin Herbert, and they were going to make their run, and it was exactly the opposite. So they. They need something like Jim Harbaugh. Well, I, I, I love that match with Herbert and Harbaugh. That could be really something special. What, I know there's a lot of talent out there with the Chargers, Andrew. What kind of cap situation do they have? Like, are they going to have to? Yeah. It's a mess. And um, I think the roster is going to look a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, Keenan Allen's cap number is like 33 next year. So, I mean, he's not back unless it's a ridiculously – um, left, left us with a huge haircut. Um, who else? Khalil Mack has like a massive number next year with his sack totals this year. He probably got himself a nice retirement contract somewhere else. Um, so those two guys that have a hard time seeing come back. There are some people that think that Bosa can't stay healthy and his number is too high next year. So maybe he's a casualty. The roster is going to look a lot different. But there's some pieces there, aren't there? That would, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Zion Johnson and Rashawn Slater, um, Tom Telesco got those two picks right the last couple of years. Um, Josh Palmer, um, not sold yet on Quentin Johnston, uh, but Darius Davis, you know, has has some skill, um, certainly in the return game. I mean, they, they've made some good draft picks. Uh, what's his face? The SC, uh, Tuli Tuli Peloto, the SC edge rusher that had a really nice year as well. Zion Henley. Um, Telesco's hit the last couple of years on some picks, on some foundational picks, but there are a lot of parts of that roster that got old. Do you think Harbaugh will succeed? He succeeded everywhere he's gone, but his second spin in the NFL, do you think it'll be a special run? Um, regardless of what I think he did at Michigan behind the scenes, right. yes, everywhere he has gone, he has won. I have no reason to believe that that will change. Same, yeah. same. Andrew, great stuff. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Always, guys. Have a good weekend. There Peace. you go. Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. Guy who spent time here, too. Yeah, I, I was interested in, I was trying to decipher whether or not, like, he doesn't, he doesn't think Cliff Kingsbury's offense will work here. Now, did, he calls it, it's called the air raid offense. Yeah. 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 And, and, and he made it very clear. He didn't think that style will work here. I don't think that he was intimating, though, he didn't think Caleb Williams wouldn't work here. Just that style of offense that Cliff Kingsbury would bring with him wouldn't work. And that's why I keep saying to you, I don't really have a great feel for uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know much about him. Like, I I don't think that. I think it is. That's what it was. It's the air raid style. It's Mm -hmm. not the West Coast. It's not, you know, because the West Coast offense and the variation of the Shanahan you, you, you know, uh, Andy Reid and Matt LaFour offense, it obviously works in this weather. Yeah, of course it does. Of course. But the, the, the air raid thing is different than that. Yes, yes. So. Uh, Steven Skokie, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Steve? Hey, happy Friday, guys. Same you too. Too. Hey, I wanted to talk. Uh, Lawrence, I was listening to yesterday, I didn't get a chance to talk, but um, he was mentioning how it's like, you know, 50-50, but he sides on the field's choice. And to me, I'm like, the field's choice is way easier and less risky than the Caleb in my mind. And the points that I'm kind of trying to bring to the table is like, Poles didn't draft him. Players like him for fields. He's got some experience with the coach. Uh, you can get a haul to build your team around. And you got to ask yourself, like, uh, fields is better 
obviously than Grossman and Orton. If they could have done it, you know, with a good foundation around them, why can't Fields? Williams, I feel that, like, if you read his father's bio, he runs a sports organization that helps reach, no joke, like, players with their full potential and pursue for professional careers. This guy seems groomed into this position. His interviews are dead on, like almost like perfect, too perfect. And I think they might have interviewed Cliff Kingsbury to their point as more of a, can we find out anything on Caleb that we don't know, like cut through the smoke and mirrors. And then a couple other points, they were bringing up Getsy. He was the quarterback coach on Jordan Love back in the day. That should tell you that they probably knew Getsy, the Packers playbook, so forth. So they knew what to expect. Getsy probably didn't do a good job counteracting that, but I'm not surprised the Packers won this year with that kind of background too. But I wanted to give your give your opinions on what my thoughts were there. I, I would go back, Steve. The first thing I would say is is that I think those that believe there's no risk going forward, I'm not suggesting Steve said that. There's risk with both of these decisions. Yes, you laid it out. If you use the first overall pick on a quarterback in the draft, there's risk attached to it. There's no question about it. Does he thrive the way that C.J. Stroud did? Or does he struggle the way that Bryce Young did? There is, there's risk there. I would also argue or suggest to you, would probably be a better way to say it, there's risk to moving forward with Justin Fields. Has he been dealt a bad hand with, you know, go back to last year when they were tearing it down? Absolutely. They gave him more help this year. Obviously, you drafted a right tackle with your first-round pick. You added DJ Moore. You paid Cole Komet $12 million. So you obviously believe in him. Like, there's more to work with in that offensive huddle than there has been in the past. If you move forward with him and you bring in a new offensive coordinator with the hope that that guy's going to unlock Justin and get him further along and you're going to add to the roster and that's just what happens if Justin doesn't take that step or doesn't take to the new offensive style or doesn't, you know, make beautiful music with a new offensive coordinator. And what if Caleb Williams then goes on to the Washington Commanders or the New England Patriots and plays like C.J. Stroud? Right. Like, so uh, now, uh, as a, uh, now as the general manager, if that happens, you've passed on two quarterbacks with the first overall right. selection in two years. And, the, and, then the third, and then the third in the organization in the last several years. The second for polls. Right. But like in, and while the Packers have had their third straight quarterback that, that's hit, We've had the third straight quarterback that's missed. You've passed on three you've straight on franchi- you franchise, you know, you know, franchise type quarterbacks. So I guess the point I'm making to Steve is: is the first thing is there's there's risk attached to both. It's everything. Yeah, it's of course it's it's both a great situation and it's both risky situations. Absolutely, you have to get it right. And, and I, I would just say this as well. And I think you made this point a while ago. I don't know enough about Caleb Williams to tear him down the way some people are. Like, there seems to be this initial, well, I don't like his personality. I don't like where he's done this. Most people I don't think have ever met him. Most people probably haven't talked to people inside his, inside USC and and when he was at Oklahoma. So I'm going to wait until I could get a little more information on him before I come to any long-term conclusion that there's significant risk to him because of his personality. And again, again, Waddle, how much do you actually believe when you hear stuff? I don't believe any. Caleb Williams, not Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud a year ago was dumb. Right. Caleb Williams, uh, C.J. Stroud couldn't process because of the the results of the new test. Yes. He couldn't process. That's why he was picked second and not first. Because of this stupid new test. So that's what everyone was telling you. Absolutely. So you'll hear probably some stuff coming out about Caleb Williams. What's true and what's not true. That's the job of our general manager. Figure it out and and make the right decision. And a lot of the general managers got it wrong about C.J. Stroud. So just because like talking heads may say stuff about Caleb Williams, it may not be true. To his point about doing these interviews, I, I agree like I think they're twofold. I think your information gathering and he serves a purpose that you could be interested in him. He is he checks a lot of boxes. He's been a head coach at the collegiate level. He's been a head coach at the NFL level. He has called plays at both levels. He could help you scout. He could help you pick 
uh, the right quarterback. He be, could be the head coach of your offense. He knows Caleb Williams, has coached him. There, he could probably give you a more honest answer. If you're asking him, like if you're going to um, Cliff Kingsbury at the draft, in, at the combine, and asking him, tell me the truth about Caleb Williams versus in an interview for your job, right. tell me about Caleb Williams. Where do you think someone's going to be more honest? I think it's going to be when you're asking him about the interview process. You're trying to get the job. So, so yes, that's my point. So if you're interviewing him for your job opening, I believe you're more of an open book because sure. you want that job. Of course, and you're not so, going to hitch your wagon to someone that you don't believe in. So, so, I, so I think they're probably getting more honesty from Cliff Kingsbury about everything, including Caleb Williams in this situation. Sure, they could go to him in Lincoln Riley and get that stuff at the combine and get that stuff in the pro days and in, in all their interview process. But I think... Not only are they interested in, K- in Cliff Kingsbury for the job, but I believe they're also information gathering. And it's why I, I ripped the White Sox so much and the Bulls in the past. But, like, when Chris Getz was hired, I always wanted the White Sox, at the very least, hi- go out and ask all these GM candidates, hey, how do the Houston Astros do it? Yeah. How do all the good Tampa Bay Rays do it? How do the Dodgers do it? What are we doing wrong that your franchise does right. How can we scout better? Jerry Reinsdorf said to himself, we don't need that information. That's stupid. You have to go How outside your you organization. Be? You have to go outside to get a different perspective. And at the very least, Ryan Poles is going to all these young offensive minds and he's getting ideas on how to scout quarterbacks, how to scout offensive talent. And he's asking them, how can we be better? What do you think about Justin? I think what, he's going through the right process. Caleb Williams? Absolutely. And he's getting as many smart answers as possible, and he's using it. And he's going to hire an, an offensive coordinator, by the way, but he's also getting information. And, and it's why I like the process. I, I always too. talk about this process. I, I do as well. I don't think that you're going to do yourself any, any justice by not getting outside of your, the confines of your own organization. It just drives me crazy when I think of Jerry. Chris Getz, we don't need anybody to tell us how to do things better in an information gathering setting. We don't need to go and interview young general managers. This candidates. is why I've always, always said, too, going back to the time when we remember when, when Ron Rivera was on, he was like a defensive of, of quality control guy with Lovey, right? Wasn't that the case? Wasn't it the, the no, crossover? No, he was, Who's he was he with Wanstead. Okay, with Wani. And, and for whatever reason, they like Ron had to go somewhere else instead of stay here. And I always said, right. because maybe Ron wanted to do things a little bit different. I believe the Eagles is where he went. Right. He? And, and, and sometimes even in your own building, I think having a dissenting opinion is a very good thing. You don't want everyone thinking the exact same way about everything. I'm not talking about being disruptive right. or being a problem. You need sometimes, you need somebody that's got a bit of a dissenting opinion to get your eyes open to everything. Right, right. And, and you don't him, have that with the White right. Sox. Lovey, from Lovey let him go as the D.C. Right. But, but originally when he was the quality control guy, it was under Wani. Right. When he was getting his, his start. All right, let's get to Aki's A-List. It's time for Aki's A-List. From the mind of the man who understands the four P's of Waddle's world. Aki's A-List. The top questions and topics floating around in Tyler Aki's mind. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Aki's A-List on ESPN Chicago. All right, what do you got for us, Tyler? All right, it was nice to check in with Jeff Joniak again yesterday, Mm -hmm. and he brought up something interesting at the end of the show about the offensive coordinator hire. Uh, 14 different teams may be looking for an offensive coach. So, mm-hmm. you know, and to me, it's the toughest one to find in sports. I, I, I have to say it. I, it's the toughest position to hire, to keep, to grow, to maintain, to make sure it's the right philosophy that fits the entire team uh, in sports. I know that sounds ridiculous. 
Uh, but I really, truly believe it. You, you look at somebody, for example, like a Greg Olson. Okay, Greg Olson, and I, I know him well. He, he was here in 03 as a quarterback coach, but he's been the offensive coordinator for what? The Rams, the Lions, the Bucks, the Raiders, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Vegas a second time, and a quarterback coach coming out of Seattle this year. He's bounced around. Like, guys... It's hard to pin somebody down and grow with them. Uh, coaching changes above them impact their futures. I mean, it's it's a tough one, man. It really is. Yeah. It's a tough, tough. tough you got to get it right. What did you make of Joniak saying that the offensive coordinator is not just the h- hardest hire in all of football, but in all of sports? I agree. I agree. as far as like from a coaching standpoint, I think it's the most second guessed uh, coaching position. Um, because you're calling like it's it's literally affecting every play. I'm not saying he's more important than the quarterback. The quarterback is the most important. Like players are are most important, but the offensive coordinator and and I, I mentioned this earlier. Can you go through like all the different coordinators that the Bears have had like since the start of Lovey? Even like. It's a long list. Like even going back before that with like John Shoup under Dick Jerome. Not many are memorable. Like I'm tr- exactly like I'm trying to go through. L- Lovey can never get it right. Terry Shea, or, uh, was it Ron Turner? After Ron Turner, it was Mike Martz. After Mike Martz, was it Mike Tice? Mike Tice for a couple years. Um, and then after that, it was like Mark Trussman who was calling his own plays. Yes, I think so. Look, I think it is. I, I think you can definitely make a case for it for sure. And then Adam Gase had a couple of good years under John Fox and then was hired away. The guy's entrusted with developing the most important player on your team. Yes, exactly. Like, he's developing the quarterback. He's calling plays. Okay, Adam. after Adam Gase, who was it? That, For John uh, Fox. Uh, Dowell Loggins. Uh, then, then John Fox leaves. And then, of course, it's... Uh, Matt Nagy. You had some Bill Lazor action. You had Mark Helfridge. You You had had Mark Helfridge first then. Then you had, uh, didn't you also have some Brad Childress? He was just a consultant. Yes. Just thinking of all the offensive minds that were in the building. This is what I mean. John D. Filippo. John D. Filippo, that's right. John D. Filippo. Oh, my goodness. Look, and, and a lot of the guys that end up. A lot of the offensive coordinators that are really, 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 really good, they end up being head coaches, and they call their own plays as head coaches. Do you remember Matt Cavanaugh under Dave Lonstead? Yeah. Former Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh quarterback back in the day. He didn't have a bad run, though, in the NFL. No, is that, in he was fine. Yeah. yeah. Then, he, then he, he coached for the Ravens for a while, didn't yes. he? Yes, he had a better run there than here. Yes. No, I, I mean, look, I think it's really important. And listen, this guy is going to be entrusted. This is a weird thing because this guy is going to be entrusted with either getting Justin Fields to be a better player than he has been for the first three years or developing the first overall pick of the draft. I keep saying this. And if he does really good things, guess what happens? You're going to be a head coach. He's going to be a head coach somewhere. So you may get it right for a short period of time, and then he's going to be gone. Yeah, I believe the stat is, uh, who told us this, and I believe Weaver cited it too, that no offensive coordinator, well, maybe Adam Gase got a head coaching job. So he got it. the Jets? But most most offensive coordinators don't even go on to be offensive coordinators no. after they leave right. here. Well, by the way, Adam Gase also had a really important person in his corner for a long time, and that was Peyton Manning. Right. Remember, Peyton First Manning. First he went to Miami, then right. he went to the Jets. But, I mean, Peyton Manning was always there to endorse him. Yes. That carries a lot of weight, I would think. Yes, it does. I mean, listen, if Moses Moreno says, hey, yeah, I really like this coordinator, that's different. Moses Moreno. Okay, but if, if, if Peyton Manning says, hey, listen, this guy, people are going to listen. I liked Moses. He was a good dude. Yeah. What do you got? All right, so we talked a lot about if the Bears' head coaching job were to become vacant, how it would be probably the most desired spot out of all of the National Football League. But where are the Bears in terms of offensive coordinator openings? There's right now 14 openings, one more that's likely to become open with the Philadelphia Eagles. And don't forget, a lot of these OCs that are uh, being hired for head coaches will also become open. So I'll go through a list of names of teams where there may be an uh, an offensive coordinator opening and you tell me if the Bears job is better. Atlanta. 
It's so tricky. It can, is. Can I, I preface mean, this because yeah, because mm-hmm. y- you could be an OC for a a, a a a coach that is on the hot seat, but as far as from a job standpoint, you are possibly the head coach of your offense, and you are taking over a team that could be on the rise, and you have the number one pick, and you could be getting this unbelievable quarterback in Caleb Williams. So you could be getting, a, a, like, the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. So I believe it could be a really, really good job, or, a very enticing job. Or you could be coming here and be entrusted with moving Justin Fields forward. Right. But if your offense isn't necessarily built in the manner in which many perceive Justin needs to play in, you could be a one and dunner, or you could be somebody whose job security isn't that great. So it is tricky. If you're one of these guys that's coming from the McVeigh or Shanahan tree, well, that's what Getzey was. Now, you can say, well, somebody else would be better at their job than Getzey. That's fine. But you're still trying to fit a player into your system. Like, you're not coming here and just reworking your entire, all, all that you've done as an offensive coach just to try to fit it. And make it work with a quarterback that, that maybe necessarily his skill set doesn't fit what you've been used to doing for 15 years. So, I mean, you're right. It is a really tricky hire. So then, and not to cop out here, but Tyler, when you say Atlanta, I don't even know who the head coach is. So doesn't that Let's affect say, it too? Uh, yeah, and that's part of it. You, you if do it's Harbaugh, then I'd go, I'd go Atlanta because I know I got Jim Harbaugh well, helping me. Because Belichick right now is a minus 200 favorite to be the next head coach of the Falcons. I don't I mean, like, listen, he's, he's hired some pretty sketchy cats with regard to their success level on the offensive coordinator. Do you think him and Josh McDaniels just pair up again? That probably sounds... Like they both need each other. Like, Belichick hasn't been able to replace him, and Josh McDaniels hasn't done a good job without him. Right, so they need each other, don't they? Yes. And, and listen, I so think wait, wait, wait. does does Belichick need McDaniel's or does yes. he just need Brady? Because well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like well, sometimes he's not available, so the next sure. the next best so maybe, guy available is he hasn't but, been able to hire an OC without him. I mean, it wasn't like Bill O'Brien did a great job this year either. No, I, I I get it, but sometimes I just wonder. You just get the quarterback right, and then oftentimes the OC looks great. Don't forget the first year of Mac Jones with. Um, Daniels. McDaniels yeah. was his best year, like his rookie year. Oh yeah, I think to answer your question, Tyler, I think I need to know who the quarterback is before I even give you an answer. You don't though, if you're Atlanta, you just got to kind of right, you know. But you understand what I'm saying? Like if if this job is available, it depends on all right. Who's my quarterback? Let's do this quick hitting. I'm I'm still gonna I'm gonna pick. Go ahead. All right, Buffalo. Buffalo is a better job. Carolina. Bears here. Vegas here. Chargers, Chargers. Chargers. Pittsburgh here. here. Seattle here. Here. Tennessee here. Here. Washington here. Here. Philly there. Yeah, I'll go there. New England here. here. Cleveland here. here. New Orleans here. Yeah, here. And then the potential head coach or uh, OC openings if one takes a head coach. Detroit. <laughs> We're small stumped I, on that. I, I go to Detroit. Detroit, you got a, you got a, you got a better setup there. Give me here, Tampa. Here, Houston. Oh, you go to Houston. Yeah, yeah. CJ Stray. Cincy. You go to Cincy. Miami. Joe Burrow's still in Cincinnati. I well, know I mean, Miami is the coach. The mm-hmm. the head coach is their OC. I know it's not by title, but. It does the play calling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would say here, because if you're going to the OC there, you're not really the OC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're calling plays here. Right. The answer to your question is tied greatly in a lot of ways I think, to the quarterback. I, I think two-thirds, this is, this is the best OC job, more than two-thirds of the openings. I think, but, Look, you got a lot of money to spend. You're going to, you know, you may have an opportunity to coach the first overall pick of the draft. I mean, I I think this is a good spot. Yeah, except for the fact that Eberflus could lose his job, which is kind of big, but 
Let's overlook that for now. All right, uh, we're going to cross-talk with Abdallah. Abdallah surprised me by something that he said to me upstairs. I was very surprised by, by Abdallah. That, that is such an open statement. Yes. I can't wait to hear. Okay, you'll hear that uh, coming up next. All right, guys, Toyota has 22 vehicles with available all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. It is more than any other auto brand. So the resilient RAV4, which I drive, great family car, and I love it for myself. To the majestic crown, plus the rugged Tacoma and the tenacious Tundra. If you checked out the brand new Grand Highlander, all-wheel drive, it will keep you in your safe. So whatever Chicago winter has to offer, you bring the action, and Toyota will bring the traction. You can find yours at Toyota.com and do what I did. Head to your local Chicagoland Toyota dealers. They're going to roll out the red carpet for you. Toyota, let's go places. Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at T Waddle 87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. And now all of a sudden we go back and we think we remember what a ding dong tasted like. What? His meat is going to taste the best. Right, an interesting day. Tasting of ding-dongs and meat. Yep. Sure you want to follow this show, Adam? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. Boy, it's been a... It's, it's been a wacky it's day. It's been a wacky yeah, day. It has. The good kid and Carm celebrating their anniversary with a conversation for the ages. I don't know. Got dirty underwear yeah. on today. Yeah, be careful, Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> I said I'd probably eat Meller first. Uh, cause he's probably, he's the most in shape, right? I would I say. I don't know if you want that though. What? The yeah, most in shape. It's a lot of white meat. What? <laughs> he's very pale. <laughs> He'll be the first to admit it. It's getting wackier. It is. <laughs> Crosstalk brought to you by Steinhoffels for Chicagoland locations. He called. What'd you say to me? What he what? said? You. I'm definitely oh, yeah. down the list because I'm. Oh, yeah, you're some dry age. Dry age. You're old and dry aged. I don't need that in my life. Pickled. I'm pickled. <laughs> Beer. Bite into my hamstring. Next thing you know, you feel like you had an old Strohs from back in the seventies. It's like those steaks that hang upside down for a couple of years. That's you. Beef jerky. It'd be like eating beef jerky. You're the like you're in the right. We'll save you for the end. Yeah. You'll, yeah, we'll save you for the end because you'll last the longest. <laughs> I'm going to be over here. An extra tree in case anyone's hungry. It's crazy. What a crazy conversation. Oh, by the way, and then um, I will go upstairs, and a lot of salespeople used to do this to me back in the day. Yeah. I would walk upstairs, I'd grab something from the fridge. They'd look at me, and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? Like, like I don't work at the damn radio station. No. Like, I, I, I don't know if you know this. I do a show here at two to six every day. I did say that to you. And well, it was um, more. It was more just to be like, like, what are you doing here? It was like an aside, just to be like, I'm hey, like, like what? Are, like, why you know. are you upstairs? I'm like, yeah, uh, well, I don't know. what time were you upstairs? Like during one of the breaks. No, I know, yeah, but it was just like, uh, like a, I was coming out of the bathroom. You were going into the uh, the kitchen area, and it was just like, hey, what are you doing here? You know, like uh, I came up to take a dump. I obviously, know that you work here till six o'clock. It was like a. Re- <laughs> Reaction I would get like on a Saturday morning if yeah. I was like rolling around the yeah. the radio you station. You know what? Or in from one of our defense, that. though, you actually went up during the Doug Kazarian interview today. No, I did not go. Upstairs no, it was during then. a break. It was it a was commercial okay. break. I went yeah. like you... cupcakes on the dock at that yeah. time. Oh, okay. I did know yeah. you walked out during the Doug interview. More you went to give cupcakes yeah. at the dock. My wife delivered uh, Sweet Mandy Bees. Oh, Sweet Mandy Bees. They, the they close now at 6. Yeah. So I can't oh. pick them up anymore after. They used to be open, I think, at one time till 7. Yeah. So I used to pick them up for the family after the show. They close now at 6. So Uber Eats delivered them. Mm-hmm. Nice. And now we, we can't get deliveries to the front anymore. No. We no. only can get deliveries to the back the dock. Rear. So you're gonna, you guys up home, at home are going to celebrate Carmen and Yurko's <laughs> yes, anniversary right. yes. for them. Yes. Yeah. That's Sweet Mandy V's is my wife's favorite, too. Yes, yeah. yes. My wife That's loves That's my them. mom's favorite. I'm sure there's some cookies in there, too. Oh, it's great. Well, I'm sure you'll see him again if Braxton gets his hands on him. Is any pukey right now? He, uh, then I guess they did not have a good day. They did go back to immediate care. Oh, oh, really? girl wasn't feeling well, oh, but he tested a, negative for dude, everything. Taking a kid to immediate care is it's, the it's, worst. It's, it's been our life for the last six weeks, Abdallah. It's the worst. We did that a few weeks ago. It was not fun. It's never Was there fun. a long wait? 
Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was, it was like an hour. Season. It was like an hour and a half. Oof. Yeah, I mean that's not as bad. We had to take uh, my daughter to the ER once, and we were there for six hours waiting. Oh, six hours in the ER waiting. Not fun. We didn't. I don't think we saw a doctor until one in the morning. Oh no! With a well, I mean everything because of the the respiratory viruses yeah, that are everything. out there and everything. flu and everything. Just everything. Yeah, just everything. It's not fun. On that note, yeah. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Who we're going to eat? Yeah. <laughs> I did get, uh, I was given a stack of napkins by yeah. uh, Kevin Zpack, and I was like, what is these for? And Justin goes, we're getting messy, second hour. Oh, what? Uh, what are you, what are you doing? I have no idea. What are, we, what are we doing, Justin? We're getting messy. It's a surprise. You got to wait. He doesn't know what Eating we're doing. Eating pizza? Yeah. He doesn't know what we're doing. We're getting messy. Oh, Your favorite we're getting, food, we're Justin? Messy. Pizza? Line up and then do some taste testing. Get a little greasy in the second hour. Ooh. We might need some napkins. It sounds, like wing, it sounds like buffalo wings for the Buffalo Bills. That's sounds, what it sounds like. Sounds like I'm going home. Maybe a little home. barbecue for Kansas City? Sounds like I'm going home at 7. <laughs> no, no, no. You can't do that. You guys got, you guys got no. this. Come on. You don't want to get messy? I'm going to let the young guns run the show. <laughs> I'm out. You look a little tired today. Thanks. I'm just saying you look a little tired. Ass. I'm saying you look a little tired. Are you yeah, tired? You look a little old. I am old. Oh. I am old. Come on, you got to one up on now. No, I'm just saying. You know, he's got old. a young child at home. Yeah, Did I you do. Get some yeah, she's, not, she's sick right now. Okay, yeah, she's, that's why I'm saying you look a little she's tired. She's got fevers and stuff. It's not you fun, got a little, took got a little sensitive to that. It's not fun. Well, people I, say that, yeah. I didn't say you were a useless piece of dog crap. I just said you look a little tired tonight. You might as well have. And you look like an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're not eating you first. All right. Uh, Tyler and Abdal coming up next. Tyler's in for black. All calls welcome. All calls welcome. 332-3776. Thank you to Tyler. Thank you to Meller. And uh, we had uh, Siciliano on with us today. Todd Kazarian. Uh, was that it? Greco. It was I'll so good forget. to hear Gene Greco with you and guys. And he was again. great today. Oh, yes. man, I miss that guy. It was awesome. For Waddle, I'm Sylvie. CSPN 1000. Have yourself a great weekend.